podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right, welcome back to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle Evans, and this week we are joined by another awesome guest, Ryan Margolin. Uh, Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, we are super excited uh, to talk with you, Ryan. Let me do a really brief intro and then uh, we'll let you introduce yourself a little bit more. But Ryan is an international business leader and entrepreneur who works in more than 15 different countries, and he helps create sustainable services and products in industries full of subpar and harmful goods, which lot to unpack there. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you're doing and uh, uh, your business? Yeah. So, so the business is called Professional Hair Labs. Um, we are now a cosmetic manufacturer. We weren't always. We were very niche in the non-surgical hair replacement industry. Um, we built a global leading brand surrounding, you know, our, our cosmetic bonding adhesives and our scalp treatments, shampoos, conditioners, a ton of different ranges. Um, but more recently, over the last couple of years, we've kind of taken the the principles and methodologies that we've used to build the brand. And we want to bring that to a wider you know, array of, of uh, or a deeper range of in the cosmetic space. Um, so that's where it's led us, you know, that's, that's part of our expansion plans. Um, me, myself, uh, my, my background is in sales and marketing. It's kind of the jobs I've always held. And, uh, more recently in the last say seven or eight years, I really dove deep into, you know, studying digital marketing. I did my postgraduate and my master's, um, and applied some of those, uh, those lessons that I learned and, um, things that I was taught over those years towards, uh, the industry. Uh, fortunately, when I did my master's, I had a, uh, an opportunity to, um, do a thesis on, on whatever I chose in the digital space. And I chose to focus on our industry, which taught me a bunch of different things that I would have never have necessarily known. And, um, we leveraged those, uh, the, you know, those touch points to, um, to build a, a much stronger brand, which we, we were successful in doing with the with team we have in place. So that's really the, the bird's eye view of the company. Well, I'm excited to dive a little bit more into that. Uh, but before we do, tell us a little bit more about some of the things that you like to do outside of the office and outside of work. Yeah. So the last decade of my life has has really been solely focused on building uh, our business. You know, it's myself and my two brothers involved in the company. Um, it was my dad uh, originally, but through very strong succession planning and, and uh, you know, kind of uh, future foundations. Um, it's the three of us who are now in, in, in ownership of, of, of the company. Um, more recently, over the last couple of years, I've had some uh, time and space to kind of delve into things that I would have been passionate about before. Uh, music is a big thing in my life. Sport is a big thing in my life. Uh, I love basketball. I live and breathe it. I play it every chance that I get. Um, you know, music has always, I've, I grew up in a, in, in a musical environment. Um, and really that kind of, you know, stands tall, uh, in my own family today with my own kids, uh, where I didn't have the time to really focus on nurturing their ability uh, to play music, my wife took over, and um, she she's the reason they 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 all play an instrument and uh, are heavily involved in different um, different groups. So that's really what my life looks like outside of work. You know, it's uh, it's it, it. I try to make it as family orientated as possible. Now, obviously, when you when you own your own business, sometimes it never works out all the time in that favor, but you know, you still do need to kind of take some time. That's, uh, that's completely non-negotiable to, to spend in other places. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you can kind of see, yeah, enjoy music here. For those who aren't watching, but are listening, I, I have several guitars and other musical instruments in the background. We, we take a very similar approach in wanting to expose a lot of music and musical opportunity to our kids. And so uh, just having both having things around and then also like dedicating the time specifically to right now it's ukulele and piano, which are, are like the two main instruments. So good. And then hopefully good. moving up to some other ones. Yeah. And that's it. But I, I, I think the most important part of what you said there is the, you know, the different, you know, random instruments that lie around, you know, even 
more recently, my son plays violin and, um, you know, he's been picking up the guitar, uh, just because it's lying there in a case and, you know, he's just playing away on it. And to me, that exploration of creativity is really where the magic is. You in, in look, my opinion when it comes to music is that you can, you know, train yourself and you can be classically trained. You can be trained in whatever genre you want, but ultimately the natural creativity that's within you that comes out is where you form yourself as an artist. Uh, and, and, uh, I love that part about giving them the freedom to do that. Absolutely. 100% agree. I think that was, you know, my, my first exposure was as a, as a kid was from just having musical instruments laying around and it wasn't, you know, we had a guitar that was just in the guitar case and just sat there and, you know, I was just fascinated and was able to pull it out. And so that's the similar thing that I'm trying to recreate is just, you know, we have things that, you know, we're very specifically focused on, but then also just having the ability to explore lots of things. And I think that has parallels both yeah. musically and in our uh, interests and probably professionally as well. But just being able to explore a lot of different things makes you just a more dynamic person, but also just gives you the opportunity to, to figure out what is it that I I like? What am I good yeah. at? What do I want to be doing in the future? Yeah. So I think that's and, a, that's and also helps you uh, push the boundaries of what you you know yeah. you think you're capable of actually doing as well. Because you know what, when you don't put hurdles in front of yourself, you end up engaging things in a much different way than you would if you just see a challenge in front of you. You know, it's uh, you know sometimes it's better off to go into something without an expectation rather than, you know, looking at it in a specific way. Well, this is, <laughs> this is great. I, I love this part of the conversation. Um, but I guess kind of pulling it back into, you know, some of the the business and, and your journey, I'm interested in, you know, what brought you to the the current place? You know, you, you talked about the the business that you've built, the things that you're doing now. Tell us a little bit more about the journey from, you know, from, from where you were and the things that you were doing to, where you are currently and, and the things that you're working on. Sure. Um, 2008 is when it kind of started, you know, global crash came. I was working in sales and marketing at the time in an industry that was very heavily hit, which was construction and, you know, sanitary wear, wooden floors, all that stuff. Uh, naturally that was the, one of the first things to bottom out. Um, so I was kind of looking for other opportunities and, uh, what happened was at that point, my dad had the business and, um, he lived in Florida. I was actually living in Ireland at the time and uh, I was married. We had one daughter at the time and he, my dad said, listen, I'm not really happy with the way things are going in, in the business. They're quite stagnant. Uh, there's some things that, that I'm not pleased about. Um, do you want to come over and, uh, and, and see, is there anything you can contribute and um, discuss it with my wife? And we actually turned it down initially, but Reflecting a little bit on it, we decided, look, what's the worst that can happen? You know, we, we commit a year of our lives to it. You know, we, we head off and, you know, we, we try something new and that's what we did. So, uh, we moved to Florida. I think it was April, I think it was April, 2009. Yeah, it was April, 2009 is when we moved. And I spent the first six months learning about the business, the intricacies of the internal operations, but also, you know, the, 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 um, the, the customer base and, and, and the different locations across the United States. I grew up in an entrepreneurial environment. My parents were, you know, business owners. They, my mom was a master hair technician. My dad ran the business as well. Um, so I knew a little bit about the industry, but I didn't really understand it, you know? Uh, so those six months were vitally important to me. Um, I manually built a, uh, a database of all hair replacement studios across the United States. I think it was about 5,000 of them. And um, we decided to strip the whole company back, uh, branding, messaging, um, and, uh, and, and speak to a, a, the same audience in a different way. So uh, we did some, we did three really key simple things. You know, we, we redesigned the website, we redesigned the product line, and we did a direct mail marketing campaign, which was a postcard front and back with a new product that we were ready to launch to market. And uh, on the front of it was the product and the benefits. And the back of it was two testimonials from industry leaders. And obviously, there was only three of us in the company at the time. Um, and we were like, if we send all 5,000 of these out, we could be absolutely hammered with calls. So we said we'd split it up into three sections and we sent them out in three different phases. And just like we kind of thought would happen, we started getting loads of phone calls. So one bottle orders to try it. It was a great product. We knew it. 
one bottle orders turned to two to five to 10 to 25. And before you knew it, we had a massive range of, uh, of hair replacement studios who have now validated this product for us. And we ended up tripling revenue within 18 months. So we were like, okay, look, we validated the product. Um, what else can we do here? Because we had only just started to, you know, to, to put the systems together to help us grow in the United States. Ultimately, I knew I didn't want to stay where we, we were. I didn't want to raise my daughter in Florida. Um, it just wasn't where we wanted to be. So um, basically what I did is I created a business plan uh, to tackle Europe and uh, presented that uh, to my dad at the time. I wanted a hundred grand to put in my back pocket and take away to, to, to make it work. And in true uh, parent form, I was told very clearly that it would not work because he had tried it before. And, uh, you know, it, you know, it's funny, the, the irony in it all, because, you know, at the same things that, you know, my dad was told when he was starting the business by people in the industry, he told them what he was doing would not work, uh, was the same message he was delivering to me when I was looking to, you know, take my own journey and, 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 you know, help expand on what we've already built. So eventually it happened. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was approved. Perfect. Uh, I was like, this is great. Um, new journey back in somewhere where we want to be, took the same principles and methodologies we used to grow the business there. And we launched in, in Ireland into the European marketplace and it fell flat in its face. Uh, so that was, uh, that was a big wake up call for me. So I had to figure that out. Um, there was, there were points where decided, you know, look, maybe this isn't going to work. Um, you know, those moments of self-doubt that you get, everyone gets them. Um, but I stuck at it and, um, about, you know, just after the six month mark, um, built a couple of good distribution relationships, uh, figured out how people in Europe, uh, prefer to do business. It's uh, very different to the United States, the culture. We were able to get a couple of good distribution accounts and from there it kind of built. And we started to move deeper into the, you know, the hair replacement industry and the, the space. And we built a brand that was pretty much the industry leader. And we then spotted a gap in another marketplace uh, for individuals who wanted to wear wigs and, you know, on a leisurely basis, they wanted to change it up every day. So we tackled that market and that's where our big phases of growth came. It was more, it wasn't so much uh, a niche business anymore. It was more so speaking to a much uh, broader range of, uh, of, of individuals. So there was a whole learning curve that came along with that, you know, from building better systems to being a better leader, to being a better person, uh, to, you know, combating counterfeits to, um, you know, trying to, um, put the structures in internationally to make sure your business was running tax efficiently. So you can reinvest. Uh, there was a whole slew of different challenges that came along over the last, uh, say seven or eight years, but ultimately it's led us to the point where we are now, uh, we're on pretty solid foundations. Um, we still experience a lot of challenges, uh, but ultimately, you know, Again, I'm a firm believer is that, you know, if, if you, if you're convinced you don't have the business that you want, it's just simply because you're not the person you need to be that's required to get there. And that comes back to the core of personal development, which is where I think it all stems from. What if I told you that a year from now, you could finally get that chief creative officer promotion, lead a larger team and have your CFO finally understand the value of design. It all starts with Future London Academy's MBA for Design Leaders. During our five two-week modules in London and California, you'll be in the same room with creative leaders from around the world, learning, collaborating, and sharing laughter and tears. You'll go behind the scenes of the top design agencies and most inspiring companies while receiving bespoke mentorship from CEOs, CFOs, and design leaders from Dropbox, Pentagram, Wolf Olins, Zaha Hadid Architects, and many others. With Future London Academy, you're here to erase borders, question everything, inspire others, ignite ideas, make friends, challenge the impossible, start a movement, invent solutions, think differently, change the world, and never, never stop learning. Become one of the 30 changemakers today. Apply now at bit.ly slash chief designer. That is bit.ly forward slash chief designer or check out the show notes for the link. Yeah. Wow. Uh, a number of things in there that, that really struck me that I, I kind of want to touch on and, and get your thoughts on, you know, the first is, is going back to uh, almost the beginning, you know, when you were really uh, turning things around, you, you talked about 
you know, the, the product and the sales and marketing and some of the things that you took there. And I think this is just a really fascinating thing and a really important thing, regardless of the business, um, you know, whether it's you're selling physical products or software products or, or whatever it is, is having the, the right product, a really good product, like you were talking about, but also having, you know, the, the right sales and marketing and the communication in order to get that out there. So you had the right product and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on, on that, you know, how you were able to, to achieve that, but then also being able to get that to market and, and start to communicate that in an effective way. You know, what were, what was your approach on both sides of that in really developing the right product and then being able to get it out to market and, you know, communicate that in a way that, that people could start to really understand that this is something they need or, or they want or um, would benefit them in, in a real way. Yeah. So I was quite fortunate in, in that respect because a lot of the groundwork had already been done at that point. You know, the, the, the product existed in the business already, but what it didn't have and what I realized it was missing very quickly uh, from speaking to customers when I was learning about the business was um, it was missing two key components, which were common challenges with this type of product, this water-based solution, uh, which was water resistance for people who were wearing hair systems and couldn't go swimming or couldn't go into a sauna. That was one. The other was oil resistance. Naturally, if you trigger the sebaceous glands on the scalp, they secrete oil. Those oils penetrate the adhesive and they break it down before it's given a chance to dry. So you, you would have not strong, you would not have a very strong hold. They were two common challenges. Now, it was really weird because like opportunities just aligned. Um, I went doing a little digging. Um, we found a, a company who manufactured a technology such as that for, for, for adhesives. And it was a patented technology, which means it came at a lovely price point. Um, and we started to um, reformulate the the base product with with this uh, with this technology, and this is where everything changed. You know, this is where we decided we were going to rebuild a brand out of this product because it was worthy of just that. So when we got the performance, we did you know we sent it out to our test uh, testing studios. We did some you know allergy testing to make sure we were on point, um, and then when we were confident that we had a viable product. My position on it at that time would be very different than how it is now. I was very much a remove the red tape and go for broke type of person. You know what I mean? Just just get it done at all costs, uh, which works great sometimes. But depending on the mechanics of what you're doing, it could be also be detrimental. But at that time, I was like, you know what? Let, we don't need to test this anymore. Let's just let's, let's just shoot our shot. And that's what we did. Fortunately, it worked out for us. You know, the, the product was ready and it didn't need many more alterations. Um, we launched another product six months after that with improvements on the original formula, which has now become our most popular product and has done, has been for the last, uh, since 2000 and, uh, since 2010. So you think about it, 13, 13 years. So this product still dominates the marketplace. Um, and it's because it is a good product. And I think ultimately you can have the best marketing, you could have the best sales team in the world, but you will not create longevity and, you know, in, in, in recurring revenue if you don't have a product that works. So I think that's for us is where we always start. Um, my position on it now is a little different. I'm a firm believer in simplest solutions, create the biggest impacts. But I also believe in process. And I believe if you can learn to streamline a process and create it so that it's safe, um, you you can then kind of push the boundaries of what the process is capable of doing. Uh, and it protects you in the long run because you know what? When you when you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands in product development and, and material costs, um, your ability to make a mistake becomes less and less. So you have to be somewhat careful. I absolutely love that. And the focus on, you know, first off the, the product and making sure that that is such a key part of the the business and what you're doing, you know, not something that you can uh, paper over or cover up with like good marketing or good sales tactics, like you said, and it becomes then like the foundation, like you mentioned of success for, for the long term. you know, having a good product and then basing that kind of like you were talking about on the feedback of customers and users and and going out and getting that feedback, understanding the main problems, and then incorporating that and really building something that is 
useful and and a solution to those problems specifically. I, I find that to be just absolutely at the core of, of course, good product creation and, and good product it, development. And it is, and and it took you know for me, it took almost a decade to learn that. Um, you know, like it's all well and good. You need to experiment. I mean, that's part of you know research and development. But uh, ultimately, you know, you can't launch a product to the marketplace that doesn't solve the problem that you're marketing it for. You know, it's or it can't half solve it. It's either got to it's either got to do it or it doesn't. You know, absolutely. I, I wanted to also, you know, touch on the uh, when you moved into Europe and kind of moving out of, you know, the United States, getting out of, of Florida, moving uh, you know back to Ireland, taking on the European market because. This is something that as a lot of companies grow and expand, they move into other markets, kind of like you were you were talking about. And a lot of times we will try and use similar tactics that have worked for us in other places. And sometimes those work and sometimes they don't, kind of like you were explaining. Walk us through you know, your thought process and some of the things that you learned as you launched and you know failed and then iterated and and ultimately succeeded in moving into new marketplaces, you know, what were some of the things that you learned, some of the things that you wish you had known, you know, as you did that? Yeah. So I, I wish somebody at the very beginning uh, would have actually made it very clear to me. Uh, the statement of how you do one thing is how you should do everything is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so <laughs> you can't, it's all great to, you know, repeat a process, you know, from a, from a procedural perspective, you know, something that is a repeatable process that doesn't change. But people change. And uh, ultimately, when you're trying to develop relationships with people, it's all different. It's all based upon the culture they grew up in, the environment they grew up in. Um, and if you don't try to understand that uh, or at least have an empathetic approach, um, it's going to be very difficult for people to um, to see you for who you really are. Because look, I've sat I, I've sat in meetings with people where I genuinely know at the core of, of their being that they're good people. They just cannot let their let themselves sit within you know who they are. You know, it's like it's almost like they put up this wall, and it's like, look, you know, people want to do business with people, and you know, you don't have to be something you're not. At the end of the day, you are who you are, and that will connect with the right people. And that's that. That was the key difference that I found uh, in doing business, say, in the United States versus Europe. Um, in Europe, it's a much more personal personable experience where in the United States, it's just go, it's just go time. It's like, what have you got for me to sell and who can I sell it to? And look, somebody else might, you know, argue that point uh, and they would be correct if that's their position. But it, this, these statements that I'm making are simply coming from my experience. Um, what the, the, the way I've built, you know, uh, the, the, the things that, that, that I've contributed to the, you know, the growth of the company. And then, you know, you've got other aspects of, you know, people in different positions within the company who have built other parts of the business, uh, through the way that they do things. And look, for me, um, I think the key part of it all is just going back to is just, don't do everything the same because it just doesn't work like that. You need to be, um, you need to be pliable. You need to be flexible. You need to be empathetic. You need to be understanding. And most of all, you have to have an insatiable uh, want or need to learn. Because if you don't, you'll you'll end up missing all of the lessons within every bit of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think that's so important. You, you mentioned another thing, and I think this is uh, such an important part as well. I've, I've recently gotten into... Uh, uh, watches, uh, which are, I, I think, an absolutely fascinating thing, uh, the building and creation of, of watches, but they have a similar problem that you mentioned, which is counterfeiting. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you think about the, the big, a lot of the big brands in watchmaking, like Rolex or Omega, or even some of the bigger luxury, luxury brands like uh, Patek Philippe, that, yeah. you know, it's very, it can be very easy to create a convincing counterfeit. Yes. of some of these and then pass them off. Um, and you mentioned that as, as part of the problems that, that you face in creating some of these products. So, you know, what have you experienced as far as counterfeiting goes and, and what do you do to address that challenge, uh, you know, in your business? What I've learned is that it's going to be a part of the company and, and the future of the company, regardless of what we do. So there is an element of it we have to accept. There's an element we have to accept that we are going to have to fight, you know, 
ongoing uh, in different parts of the world. But there are things that we've now learned that I've now learned uh, that we can do to minimize the ability for somebody to get a product in their hand and not realize that it is a counterfeit item. Uh, so what we did, the, fir- the first counterfeit we saw come online was about five years ago. I remember seeing it AliExpress. I was devastated. I was annoyed. I was emotional about it because it challenged the core reason that the company was even started in the first place. And what I realized then is that, you know, if I'm going to be emotional about this, uh, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to cope. I'm not going to exist. So I had to learn to, to, to shut it off and, and separate myself from the, the business side to the, you know, the ethical side. So those, that one listing turned into 10, turned into 30, turned into 300, turned into 3000. You know, we estimate our losses now each year at the moment where we stand is probably somewhere in the region of about $5 million a year in lost sales due to counterfeits. And what happened is, is that, um, we found like, not only do we know and we're addressing that right now where where the the where the product is coming from and we have a, a good understanding and hold of the network in which the supply is going through but we've learned how to minimize the ability for counterfeiters to get away with it their their label is exceptional it's almost identical to ours um, there's a couple of key components which uh, unfortunately I can't share that that we know the difference between the counterfeits and ours um, there's some key components on the bottle itself but more importantly what it did is it really forced me into a position to think about how can we solve this problem, not only for ourselves, but for an industry that is rife with with, with black market uh, and counterfeit items. So um, I hired a development team uh, to help me build an app called Clarity Codes. And what we did then is we uh, we started testing it with our own products. So now whenever somebody buys a bottle, there's a code on the box that they can scan through our app. Uh, to tell if it's legitimate and if they feel or if they have any concerns that it's not, they can actually report it from the app where they bought it, the location. So we're getting all this live data of hotspots where we can send our investigators in to do buys and actually try to find uh, the source of these uh, of these uh, counterfeit items. We've had huge success, um, you know, both in the United States and Europe in dealing with this through that technology, uh, and we will. Uh, in the very near future, be rolling this out for companies in the cosmetic space. Uh, it is a, it is a quite a flexible product that can you know can be applied to different industries. But look, I'm I'm a firm believer is that service the industry that you're in fully and wholly and uh, and 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 just aim to protect what you really set out to protect in the first place. So that that's how we've gotten around um, the ambiguity of whether somebody has a legitimate product or a counterfeit product. And I think this year, 2023 in particular, is going to really um, show the difference between the lost sales over the last five years and uh, where we're going moving forward to protect our brand. Wow. That's that's absolutely fascinating. Uh, One, the ability to create counterfeit goods, which has just gotten really, really good, like you mentioned, um, you know, across industry across the goods itself. Um, but then using technology, like you mentioned, in order to help users, because because ultimately, you know, that's one of the biggest parts of this is, is ensuring that users are getting what they think they're getting, yeah. uh, which is, you know, the, the brand and the quality and all of the things that, that they expect when they're buying the specific good. Um, so uh, I'm fascinated too. So maybe you could speak a little bit more about uh, what some other companies or or other uh, people in the industry are thinking about, you know, also using this type of technology in order to help them protect both their business and their users. Like what has been some of the feedback that you've gotten on that? So the feedback that we've gotten on it so far is is quite minimal and I'll explain why. So we've had surface level conversations with some of our private label and also our custom formula clients um, who were extremely interested in the uh, process after me explaining what we've been through, you know, over the last five, six years. Um, but more importantly, um, we make sure that with something like this, because it is technology based, that we have tried and tested it rigorously before we even remotely let somebody else get their hands on it, because ultimately we want to make sure that it's difficult enough to try to navigate the waters of battling counterfeits. Um, it will be 10 times more difficult if you're trying to implement the technology that only 75% works. So we haven't quite gotten to the point where we started to test it with our clients, um, but it is going to be a full software as a service solution uh, for the industry when it does eventually get to that point 
we like we're, we're, we finished the development of it. The functionality is all there, um, but we're still testing aspects of the actual daily use of the product before we're going to be comfortable enough to actually open the, the gates. And naturally, you know, as part of that testing process, um, you know, we, we look for, you know, some of our clients and, and custom formula clients who, who have large, you know, large quantities of product moving through their, you know, their chains, because ultimately uh, that's what you need to get the data. So um, it'll be, look, it's going to be an interesting year. I, I don't know what it's going to show. I just know from our end that it's given us some really good data of where to look rather than, picking a spot on the map and guessing, you know? No, that that's super fascinating. And I'd love to get your thoughts too on, you know, both sides of this, because you you're obviously doing, you know, the the physical product creation. So manufacturing physical products and then also the technology. So software in order to you know, both uh help and assist in in the physical aspect of it as well. So what have you learned on both sides of those things, both, you know, the physical product and the software product that either uh, are, are similar or different? And, you know, what, is, what has been your experience? Uh, I think going back to what I said earlier, you know, sometimes the, the red tape is, is, an, is an evil necessity, uh, especially when you're dealing with implementing new pieces of technology or launching a new product to the marketplace. Um, because look, think of from a product development perspective, you start from the ground, you start from an idea. What are the characteristics of the product? What problem are you looking to solve? What market are you looking to serve? Uh, you know, that really brings the product together. And when you do eventually formulate the product, you've got to take it into stability testing, you know, climate testing. Uh, you've got to do the allergy tests. You have to make sure all of the pieces of the puzzle fit in before you even get to the point of making a pilot batch where you can start, you know, bottling it for, for, for testing with, with different people. So that the, there is a there is a full process that comes along uh, with the product development before it even hits you know where that where that meets technology you know um, naturally through the development process there is technology implemented I mean you have you know you you have the tracking of your raw materials you know you have your GMP certifications for ISO purposes um, there's so many there's so many different requirements that you know as a manufacturer you are expected to abide by uh, which again is why we kind of decided to have, you know, our Irish location as our principal manufacturing facility, because ultimately EU regulations are a lot more stringent than US regulations. And if you abide by the EU uh, standards, naturally, there's not many places in the world you're going to come across a problem because there's such a high level of banned ingredients that you're not allowed to use in formulas. So, uh, and sorry, coming back to where technology meets that, the process is quite similar. You know, you start from the idea. What are the characteristics and the functions? Uh, then again, what language are you programming in? It's, it's not more about what ingredients you're using, but what language are you programming in? When you program in that language, what are the long-term, you know, what are the long-term, um, what's the lifespan of the language? Do you expect it to be obsolete in five years or do you expect it to be something that's going to continue to, you know, evolve in, 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 into a more powerful, um, uh, into a more powerful language so you can expand the functionality of your software because what you don't want to be in a position is, and I've learned this myself, you don't want to be in a position to develop something in a five years time, having to redevelop the whole thing. It's very, very testing. Um, I only found myself in that position with one of our stores um, about a year ago. Uh, I realized that the flexibility of the language it was built in just wasn't good enough. And we, our customers needed something else. Um, so I had to, uh, dig deep and, 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 and put myself all in for a year to get that over the line. And, and that was a, look, that was a lesson I learned, you know? So look, I, I think there's similarities, um, whether it's physical products or, or technology, I just think you have to approach them from a slightly different angle when you think about how you're building them, you know? Absolutely. You, you touched on manufacturing there and, and the fact that you're manufacturing your products in Ireland and a lot of the uh, the requirements and things that go along with that. I'm interested in, you know, this is something that uh, you obviously are doing is manufacturing, uh, you know, a lot of those products, kind of the thought process behind uh, them, you know, doing the manufacturing and and everything that goes into that, because obviously, you know, there's some amount in, you know, whether it's building uh, software products or, uh, you know, creating physical products of how much you want to outsource versus how much you want to build in house. So, you know, what was, what was kind of the thought process with that and, you know, and doing 
uh, most of that uh, manufacturing yourself? Uh, well, since the inception of the company uh, years ago, um, we had been always um, using our own formulas. They were made for us, but you know we weren't able to manufacture at that point. So naturally, we would contract that manufacturing out. Um, over the years, we experienced challenges when we started to grow of uh, some of the companies not being able to keep up with the quantities or the lack of consistency in the batches, um, or even just a, a separation of even, you know, water from, you know, from some of the products that we couldn't send the product out. So what was happening was a lot of that uh, process was out of our control and we couldn't change it. We had no eyes on the process of how the product was being made. I think ultimately at its core, that was naturally the motivator for us to, to take the manufacturing in house. Now, where that became a real pain point was, well, how are we going to do this? Uh, you know, cause it requires a ridiculous amount of investment. So we, yeah, we just had to make the decisions to, to run the company so lean for three years that, um, we said we, we had two options. Sorry. We could have went to a bank. We could have, you know, we taken a loan out. We could have sped up the process. Um, or we could have done it the way we did it, which was, uh, run lean for a few years, bank as much money as we could, and then set the foundations for the next phase of growth. And that's how we, that's how we did it. So we've managed to, what are we, 2023 and 2000 and 2000 and I think 2017, we were operating out of a, a 2000 square foot, um, facility in Florida. And we were operating out of a, uh, of a 1000 square foot uh, facility in Ireland. Um, fast forward to 2023. Uh, we are now, uh, we now have a 20,000 square foot or 17 and a half thousand square foot facility in Florida. Uh, we are now moving into a 50,000 square foot facility in, in, in Ireland. And that's naturally from, you know, learning how to run our company as lean as possible and to be tax efficient and reinvest back into the company for ultimately the benefit of, of the industry and, and ourselves. Because look, it, it gives us a purpose. It changes our purpose, um, from where we were 10 years ago to where we are now. Um, but it also, what I've learned is it also helps people, especially on the team, achieve a sense of something within themselves that, you know, they didn't necessarily realize they had in them. And, uh, that's been to me that that my mission, if, if anyone were to ever ask me what, what my change or how my mission has changed over the last decade, it would be from carrying the mission of the company of why it started in the first place to now being about, um, how we can allow people to achieve what they want to achieve in their personal lives and, and their professional lives, um, by mentoring them and just leading them. Uh, so that's, that's to me, it's just been a, it, it's, there's been so many things that have come off of the back of deciding to take the the short term pain for you know the gain in the long term. Awesome. I know I think that's that's absolutely great. You you talked about you know the the building of the business and as we talk a lot about you know building businesses on, on this podcast specifically it comes down to the team being so important and the, and the people inside it and yours specifically is a, is a family business. And so I'm interested in your thoughts in both the benefits and, and, you know, what are the challenges of that? And as you've, as you've both grown and, and had uh, the family part of that, you know, what have you found to be both the good parts and, and maybe some of the more difficult parts of that? I think fortunately for us uh, growing up in the environment we did, my mother's Irish, um, you know, we, we, myself and my two brothers are quite empathetic. We have a, you know, an innate ability to put ourselves in the shoes of another and understand it from their perspective, which helps us solve 90% of the problems that we face on a daily basis. On the flip side of it, you know, being in a familiar business, I firmly believe that, you know, progress is best achieved from a place of equality. And, uh, you know, look, swings and roundabouts, you know, some months there's heavier workloads on another's desk than there, there is on someone else's. Um, it's just part of the process you have to accept. Um, but ultimately, I think everyone wins in the end. Um, you know, look, for, for me, looking at, I suppose, the dynamics of even working in a familiar business, uh, there's, there's always pros and cons. Um, but I, you know, I think we're all on the same page and we know where we want to go and we know what we want to achieve. And I think ultimately that counts for, for something. You know, we don't have investors breathing down our necks or, or shareholders looking for their peace. Um, we get to remain, uh, true to what we want to achieve within the company 
without having to worry about, you know, what somebody else's agenda is. And I think that that has been very powerful for us. Um, you know, we have company, look, I mean, there's companies that are doing a hundred times more than we are. Um, but again, they have a whole other set of challenges that, that we will never have, you know, as you look at, you know, both the, the industry, the company that you're in and, and, you know, the market in general, you know, what do you see as maybe some of the exciting things, uh, coming up, uh, and, you know, things that you're really looking forward to, uh, both, you know, for your business and, and maybe other trends more broadly speaking. Yeah. For, well, for us, I mean, it's really exciting to see, you know, the, the different phase we're moving into now, you know, with such a heavy investment into the, you know, the expansion of our operating um, area. Uh, we also have a bunch of new machines coming in over the next couple of months that are going to uh, expand our ability to manufacture products we've never been able to manufacture before. I mean, we have chemists down in our lab just below where I am now um, who, you know, are working on products, product development every single day, you know, a couple of years time, we'll have 300 plus products off the shelf, ready to go. So that's the exciting part of the journey for us to watch that, that part of it play out. Um, and then look, I mean, in, in, in terms of, I suppose in, in terms of the, the personal side of things, I mean, naturally, what do we, what do we all want to, you know, to, to start a business for? It's really to have the freedom, isn't it? I mean, that's really where everything starts it's to have the freedom and flexibility. And with that um, comes a lot of responsibility that you don't initially see or you don't initially realize that you have to take on in order to have some of that because you'll never have it the way you want it. It's just you'll, you'll have some of that, you know, it's, you'll, you'll never get it all. Um, I, I look, I, I think for, for me, the, you know, the, the, the vision for the company and the journey uh, on a professional and personal side, uh, both ends with, you know, having the. The opportunity for not only ourselves but for the people on the team to achieve everything that they want and you know from a familiar perspective you know having the opportunities you know even for our own children that maybe we didn't have growing up you know i, th I think it's funny you know because you, know, you you look back on the things from a familiar perspective of all the things over your childhood that went wrong or you know that that wasn't right um but you know your kids are going to do the exact same thing to you you know and that's part of evolution isn't it and uh yeah. You know, I, and, and this is what I, what I love about it is, you know, you'll never, you'll never get it all right. But at the end of the day, that's, that's what life is. I mean, you know, whether you, whether it's personal or whether it's business, it, it, it's all about, um, the experiences in between, you know, life isn't about being happy. You know, it's, it's like happiness is just one part of the, the equation. You know, it's life is really about the, the experiences and the journey. Absolutely. It is. I love that. So for somebody who, wants to start a company or, or build a brand or do something similar, what, what advice would you give to them if they're thinking about this or actually in it right now? Okay. Yeah. So for me, um, the me now answering this question for myself 10 years ago, I would, the first thing I would be like, okay, if you've got a physical product or a service that you feel is going to be something you can market globally, look after your IP first and foremost, uh, trademark it in three places. Europe, USA, and China. You'll set yourself quite, quite solidly uh, at that point, and you'll save yourself a lot of money ultimately in the wrong in in in, in the long run. Because uh, naturally, if, even if you have a physical product, the first place it's going to be counterfeited is likely coming out of China. So get your rights together there. That would be my first piece of advice. Second piece of advice, whether you're you know in the f the starting phases of growing your business, or even whether you're into your journey. Um, it's always quite important to focus on personal development. Take a look at yourself in the mirror. I think that's where it all starts. My own father-in-law said it to me, you know, over over ten years ago. He, you know, he 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 said something to me. It was, you know, look, Ryan, you know, you can be dishonest, you know, with everyone around you. You know, you can cheat and manipulate whatever you want to do, but at the end of the day, you can't cheat the reflection staring back at you in the mirror. So I think it's always good to always just look at yourself and say, you know, look, what are the parts of myself that I have to address in order to, uh, to, to, to be a better person and move forward. Uh, personal development is, 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 is at the core of all of that. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other side of thing is, is that look, you know, when you were growing your business, um, you know, you're going to have a lot of lonely nights, you know, it's, it's just part of the process. You know, there's not going to be anyone there to tell you great job or, you know, well done. Um, you know, you have to kind of learn to be your own inspiration when, when, when shit gets tough and it's going to get very tough at times. And, uh, 
you know, if you can learn to just get done what you need done without the need to be motivated by someone else, I think you, you're pretty, you're, you're pretty well along the way. So yeah, those would be the key pieces of information I'd give to somebody starting a business. Um, you know, look, I mean, there's so many other things you could talk about, some of which we've covered, but ultimately, you know, that there's, there, there's so many variables that make up, you know, the kind of blueprint for success because it just looks different for everyone. I think that's, that's great. Well, this has been a really, really great conversation and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, Ryan. Um, where can people find out more about you, about the business, about the things that you're working on? Uh, my main hangout is LinkedIn. Um, so you search me on, on, on LinkedIn, you'll find me really easily. Uh, from a company perspective, we're on all major social media channels, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, so, or there are our website, prohairlabs.com. Uh, for me, like, I mean, look, you know, if it's a product, uh, that you're looking for, a cosmetic product, uh, it's great to, you know, just to get in touch with us. Uh, because even if you don't do business with us, you'll come out from the conversation with a different set of knowledge than you entered it with for sure. Um, you know, from a personal perspective, I'm, I'm always open to answering questions on LinkedIn. You know, I do get messages sometimes and, uh, you're always happy to, uh, to, you know, to, to lend a, a piece of advice somewhere where somebody may be struggling or where somebody just might not know. Absolutely. Well, that's great. We'll put all those links in the show notes cool. and I do have, you know, a couple of wrap up questions as well yeah. before we, before we finish up. Um, and, and we usually ask everybody just uh, a couple of things, but have you read or watched anything recently that you have found particularly interesting or would like to share? So I, I don't really watch too much TV. Um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I, I, I say the most that, that that would happen to me is that, you know, maybe of a Saturday night, I might put my feet up for a few hours and watch, you know, something on Netflix. Uh, so um, some of, you know, look, I have a few series that, I, that I've seen over the last six months that have been, you know, uh, really enjoyable for me when you just need to zone out and just, you know, recharge and watch some TV. Um, but yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's really it. I, I find myself in a position at the moment where I, I haven't the time to read as much as I used to. Um, which is something I really need to focus on going back to, but look, that's part of the journey as well as, as being a business owner. I think, um, you have all these plans and these things you want to do to, you know, make sure you're improving day by day. But when you're growing a company as well, sometimes it, you, you don't, you just don't have that time depending on what's going on. You know, you have to prioritize and, um, yeah, that's, that, that's really it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. The, some things have to give in order for other things to, to take precedent, so completely understand that. And I guess the final question then is, you know, are, are there any products that you've used and enjoyed or not enjoyed recently, whether that's a, a physical product or a technology product that that come to mind? That is a good question. Actually, you know what? I've been using the same pieces of technology for so many years now, you know, like whether it's project uh -huh. through Asana or Salesforce through, you know, lead gen purposes. So um, there hasn't really been anything that that has really stuck out in me i tell you what i did have a bit of fun with though i i downloaded an app on my phone a a version of chat gpt and uh I, like just even the sheer oh it's just it's 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 mind altering stuff it's you know like to to think that technology has advanced to that level um which is probably only the surface of what is truly actually going on uh you know, that to me was the piece of technology that I've used over the last say couple of months that, that has really just made me like, be like, you know what? I'm not even ready to look at this yet. <laughs> this is just, this is a whole other something that just is going to require, you know, so much, uh, so much brain space. I mean, to think about its applications and how, you know, even typing in some stuff about our own brand. And it's like, you know, it's, it, it's giving you full product descriptions on what the product does. And, and you're just like, how is that even possible? You know what I mean? To, to think about like you just typing something so generic, like a sentence and getting full blown, uh, you know, whether it's blog articles or whether it's product descriptions or whether it's headlines, you're just like, this is just, I, I, I need to dedicate, you know, four or five weeks just to using this completely before I can even get my head around it. So that is, that, that's a piece of technology that I would say has, has really impressed me. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's definitely been one that I have been using uh, fairly frequently to both experiment with yeah. and to just get information. Well, to get information from, I, you know, put 
prompts in and, and then um, have been doing just a lot of editing of things, of, of sites and uh, different uh, just text and things and, and getting just feedback from. So it's, yeah. it's been a fascinating thing to just uh, experiment with. I think we've, uh, yeah, it's definitely probably the start of something that's going to be uh, really changing over the next Absolutely. Absolutely. And you see, you, you know, you see technology that comes out, right? And uh, you, you start to use it. And, and then you realize after about five months, it falls off a cliff. You know, no one's talking about it anymore. There's no hype. There's no buzz. But I genuinely think that this, this technology is something that has the potential to change everything. So it'll be really interesting to see how they use those applications in different industries. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, I feel like it's going to start to be incorporated into just about everything as, as we move forward in some way or another, it just varying in degree depending Absolutely. on what, what you do. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's limitations are only going to be um, the limitations on on the technology are only going to be provided by the people using it. You know, it's like if, if you've got somebody in a position who really truly sees it for what it is, uh, I think the application methods are endless for it. Um, like I, I look at it now and I'm like, I can't even remotely comprehend what, what is coming back at me. So I'm not even going to try for right now. I'm just going to let that be where it is until a later date. So I, I just, I, I think it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ryan, this has been, uh, again, a great conversation. We will put all of the links to connect with you to find out more about uh, your business and the things you're working on in the show notes. So definitely check those out. And uh, it has been, again, a great conversation. So appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle. I appreciate you having me. And um, it was really enjoyable. And uh, have a good day. All right. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at prod by design. That's prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter product thinking at productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kaya Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.